Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Hey, I, um, has anyone ever felt like an outsider? Maybe, I don't know, you felt like that all the way through high school. You weren't one of the cool kids. You weren't like Luke Bennell, who was one of the cool kids. Now a youth pastor <laughs> into his almost 30s. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Or you might have been a plus one at a wedding. Has everyone been like a genuine plus one where you were the outsider, your spouse or your partner at the time, all their friends and you just had no one to talk to? Anyone ever been there? Yeah, no, all right, you're just there for the free meal and just to look awkward and look handsome or pretty, I don't know. Whatever you want. Um, I, I used to play uh, cricket uh, when I lived in Melbourne and uh, I played for this really multicultural club called Fiji Victoria Cricket Club and I was the only white guy in the whole club and uh, I used to get bullied for being white, which, which I thought was pretty cool actually. I, I liked being bullied because I was white and people throw me some sun cream and, and just before we go out, drinks break and um, after what happened to the Australian cricket team in South Africa in 2018, you know, the sandpaper debacle, you know, these guys would hand me a piece of sandpaper at the drinks break, here you go, Aussie, why don't you just shine it up? Ah, fine. But I felt like an outsider. I felt <laughs> but I was totally okay with it. And uh, I, I kind of drew the line later on on Saturday nights after 80 overs in the field whereby just get, keep getting beers handed to you and, say, and boys would say, hey, have another one and rock up to church tomorrow drunk, mate. And um, I stopped right there. That's okay. I didn't rock up to church drunk. Um, but I used to love my time with those guys and uh, I loved being part of that club. But I always felt like an outsider. I was a white Christian guy playing with Islamic Pakistanis, Hindu Indians and, uh, and Buddhist Nepalese and Sri Lankan boys. And there was just me, Christian, white boy with the sandpaper in the pocket. No, no, no. But, um, but I believe that God calls us into situations where we're, we're outsiders. I believe that he, he brings us into environments where we can be a shining light to other people so that um, people can see the goodness of God. God positions us into these places to shine a bit of light. Call it, I'm, I'm not talking about, when I'm talking about outsiders, I'm not talking about being a weirdo or a square peg in a round hole, but I'm talking about someone who is intentionally placed a game changer, an influencer, in the, not the social media sense of the term, but an, someone who can influence that environment for good. Luke 11.33 says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. The lamp is put in a strategic place, maybe in the middle of the room, maybe somewhere where it illuminates um, beyond. And just like strategically placed lamps, God often puts us into these places and he puts, them into, puts us into these places to build relationships. For God to be able to be seen through the light shining out of us, 1 John 1 talks about us being in the light. God is light and we are in the light and we shine his light through to other people. And so he's quite strategic in that sense. Let me share one thought with you. God puts outsiders on the inside. 
God puts outsiders on the inside. You know, Christianity is for outsiders. Christianity was built by outsiders. The Jews were part of God's people. They were the holy nation. They were God's race. Jesus comes to earth and they start bringing Gentiles in. They start bringing Samaritans in. They start bringing Romans and Greeks. And all these people find themselves as being Christians. Christianity was built by a bunch of outsiders coming inside. And so this model kind of is used throughout all history, all the world, forevermore. God uses Christian outsiders to be placed on the inside for his glory. And so an outsider, what what am I saying about that? I'm saying that an outsider is someone who can have a platform. And I'm not talking about... um, uh, a way of putting forward your own agenda, but I'm talking about God raising someone up onto a platform. You know, we our culture is all about building platforms. Social media is built on platforms. They actually call them social media platforms. It is a personal platform that you can project whatever message you want to put out there into the world. But a lot of people use that platform to put the same message, the same uh images and the same thinking out there. We're different as Christians. We are different in that we have something different to offer people. And I find that Daniel, the the character Daniel in the Bible, is a great example of an outsider being on the inside. Daniel 1 talks about these bunch of Judean godly people were handsome they were uh, well, uh, well read, they were knowledgeable, they were smart and they had integrity. And so Daniel and his mates find that they are uh, doing a, a government internship. They're public servants. They're, they're serving King Nebuchadnezzar who had taken all the Judeans out of Jerusalem, exiled them to Babylon and they were going through cultural appropriation. They were changing them into being Babylonians. And so they could have, they could have been moulded by that culture, but Daniel and his mates stood true to what they were doing. And so in Daniel chapter two, we're going to read it shortly. King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a bad dude. So he killed a lot of Daniel's contemporaries who wouldn't leave Jerusalem. And Daniel and his mates find themselves in Babylon. And the king tells uh, all the wise men in this program and the Babylonian magicians about this dream that he has. And we won't go into the dream for the purpose of this morning, but he tells this he says, I had a dream and I want a wise person to tell me what it means. And if no one can tell me what it means, I'm going to kill all you wise people if you can't tell me what it means. Like, what kind of a foolish act is that to kill all the wise people in your life? But anyway, this is how this dude rolled. So Daniel chapter 2, 17 to 19. Daniel hears that wise people are going to be killed if they don't get the dream right. So he returns to his house and explains the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. If you haven't heard those names before, they're the same guys as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, I find that hard to say. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And so then he goes to Arioch, who's the chief executioner, and he says, hey, mate, I reckon I know what the dream's about. After going to his friends, being in the presence of God, praying about it and receiving that vision, that, that the meaning of that vision that the king had. 
And so he goes up to the guy who's going to kill him if he doesn't get it right. And he says, I got the answer. Yeah. What, what, what would go through someone to have that confidence? What would possess someone to have the faith to stand up in front of an executioner? Only God's presence. Only the, the faith in God's presence that he is protected by God, calling him into that sphere with his three mates behind him, praying at that time, praying him up hot, making sure that God is with him, the Spirit of God is with him in that moment so that he can go and save people and deliver a king's promise. He stepped out in faith and I totally love that. And it seems quite risky. If you look at it, it doesn't pass the risk assessment, going to someone who's going to kill you if you get it wrong. But, but he's full of faith and he goes anyway, knowing that the favour of God is on him in that sphere. He's an outsider on the inside. God's favour is on him. And so he will move powerfully through Daniel if he is to step out in faith. He didn't change who he was, but God still used him. Here's another thought I want to share with you this morning. If you can't build relationship with people, be relatable. If you can't build relationship with people, be relatable. I'm talking to the young people here. Did you know, did you know that you're not going to be everyone's friend? I know. All you popular cool kids in high school, not everyone is going to like you. Take it from me. Take it from me. (laughs) You're not going to be popular all the time. That's a little secret for you. We, we read through the New Testament that Peter and Paul, two of the foundational apostles in Christianity, they didn't get along after a little while. Same mission, same purpose, same God they were serving, didn't agree. They weren't mates. Other people, there's other examples in the scriptures as well. Not everyone who listened to Jesus followed Jesus. Yeah, and, and Jesus instructed the disciples in Luke 9 when he, he sends them out into the world, say, if people don't accept you, if they're not friendly towards you, shake the dust off your feet and move away to someone who will accept you. So I, I have a, a friend who posted on LinkedIn this week. She is a, I guess, a, 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 I don't know, an influence, a social media kind of big wig who trains people up in terms of business networking, I don't know. It's one of those LinkedIn profile um, blurbs that you just like, what do you actually do? Like, so she calls herself uh, a social media coach and, uh, and business advisor. And so she says that when, when you're going into a room of people that you don't know and you're trying to network and build relationship and find someone that you're going to do business with, she says, verbalise your value. Verbalise your value. And so that if you only get one moment with that person, whoever, if you go through and meet 20 people at a business network or whatever it might be, you get a moment with them, make sure they know what your values are and what, what your value is to them, what you can offer them. And so she's a Christian and she's using this principle in business. Verbalise your value. And so what she means is that show people what you can offer them. Show them how you're useful. And so you may not be able to build relationship with people, and we see that in the Scriptures. We see that the disciples struck out with people. They didn't want to hear their message. Jesus didn't strike out, but he presented the Gospel, and people saw 
no value in that. But that was their interpretation. And so when we're working with other people, when we're engaging with people, we want to show them the value of what we have to offer them, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. Lydia, a trader in fine purple cloth. That was just the vehicle for them to share the gospel with the people in their network. When they were outsiders going into a town, they would share with people the the situation that they're in, their testimony, and also how good God has been in their life. And Paul modelled this in his uh, letters. He says in Romans 12, 9 to 10, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with brotherly love and take delight in honouring each other. This is from a guy who was imprisoned by people who listened to his message. This is a guy who got rocks thrown at him and he's saying, love people. Don't pretend to love them. Don't say, hi, good to meet you. Yeah, no, no, really love them with the love of God coming out of you. Really love them. Hate the injustice. Hate the fact that they may not accept the gospel and accept eternal life. Hate that, but don't hate the people. Love them. Love them with the love of God. And so with that, he's calling us as Christians to a higher platform. And I know that there are people in this room who go into a work situation and you can't stand the people there. You might not be able to stand some of the people in your high school group, maybe even your family. Family reunion event comes around. Oh, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to see that weird uncle. I don't want to see that person that just has a go at me because I'm a Christian. Whatever it might be, I don't want to speak into your context. You know it better than I do. But Paul here is saying love. Get onto a higher platform, love one another. And it might be really hard. I understand that. I don't want to be blase about that. I don't want to be, I, 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 you know, I, I have people in my life where my wife will say, hey, we're hanging out with these people. And it's like, oh, really? Am I busy? No, I'm not. Ah, oh, I'm hanging out with them. Oh, come on. And I reckon it's a bloke thing, right? Because, yeah, because the wives are the social interactors and they, they make your friends. And then you just are friends with her friend's husband. And that's a grim lucky dip, isn't it? Yeah? Anyway, I got that off my chest. (laughs) Yeah? So I read Romans 12 and it says, don't pretend to love these guys. Actually love them. Really love them. Be purposeful with the gospel. Show them the value that you can give them. Be a shining light in their context. So we've talked about outsiders shining the light and we've talked about being relatable to people in your context. Here's something that I want to give you now. All people are welcome inside these walls. Yeah, all people are welcome into the kingdom of God. All people are welcome into the chapel building, no matter where we are, in all our locations. All people are welcome. And so when we as Christians go out into the world, we may feel like square pegs. We may feel like we're not meant to be there because we just don't fit. There's something different about us compared to the people that we're gathering with. But when we gather as a community and we are the insiders, I'm flipping the thinking here, when we are the insiders and an outsider is coming in, we need to be relatable and there are no exceptions to people coming in. Jesus came to save everyone. We believe that. 
This is part of our doctrine here at the chapel. Jesus came so that whosoever believes in Him will have eternal life. And so we do this for the whosoevers. We're doing this because this is the house of God. We're the body of Christ. He took on the sins of the world. And so we're opening up to all sinners out there in the world because we are all sinners in the world. We've come in here. We've given our hearts to God. Maybe if you haven't, I'd love to chat with you after the service. But you've given your heart to God. You're working through your sin. And we don't deserve to be in the house of God. You just have to open up the whole Old Testament. That's all about us not deserving to be in God's presence. Jesus comes. Jesus gives eternal life. Jesus allows us into the presence of God. The temple, the temple curtain was torn. Metaphorically, physically it actually happened, but metaphorically we come into the presence of God because of what he did on the cross. Ephesians 2.19.22 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's talking about Gentiles coming in to God's people, becoming Christians. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling which God lives by his spirit. The Holy Spirit is in these four walls. The scripture says that because we have built a church, a physical church, bricks and mortar. We invite the Holy Spirit. Every Sunday morning we pray for the Holy Spirit to come in here and to have his way. The Spirit of God will move through anyone who wants to receive it. Powerfully, powerfully. And so what this means is that when we're part of a community of believers, we stand on the shoulders of other people that, we, that believe in the faith. I'm a brick, you're a brick, you're a brick, you're a brick. Bricks don't actually touch each other. If you think about a brick wall, bricks don't actually touch each other. If they're touching each other, you've got your measurements wrong and you've, you, you need to start over again, or at least that part. Bricks are joined by the concrete and the concrete doesn't have gaps in it. It touches. The concrete is Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. And it says in verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. You can't have a holy temple with one brick. You can't be a, a, a lonesome Christian and say that that's a church. No, a church is built because of people being together, acting like family, feeling like home, being networked with one another and giving time and attention, and values, and gifts, and money, and love to people who come into this building. That's what it means when we talk about acting like family and feeling like home. Pastor Bron last week talked about ripping up lists. She talked about how when we hold lists of offences or hurts, that they need to be ripped up in the name of Jesus. And so when we hold lists, that creates a barrier to other people coming into our life and for us to really love them, really love them, like Paul was talking about. And so when we, when we think like this, we, we can't help but be more inclusive to people coming into our family. 
that's what, that's what we do on Sundays. We don't just come here as a club, but we open up the doors to anyone who wants to come in, the whosoever's who will believe in him, who want eternal life or just want to seek it out. They can come in here and they can be blessed by the Spirit of God who dwells in here because of the faithful people who stand in here every Sunday. That's you guys, faithful people, Holy Spirit working through you. Romans 15, 5, 6 says this, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have a cool answer to prayer this week. You know, we have about 35, 37 people who are on our church prayer team distribution list. And so whenever you have a prayer point that you want the believers to pray with, pray for, a message can go to all of those people and they pray. It pops up on their phone and they pray. And so I submitted a visa to go to another country uh, in a couple of months to do some, some missionary work. And I know quite a few people who have been rejected by this government because, by their government, not our government, but by the government of the country I'm going to, um, because they're Christian. They just don't like Christians. And so I submitted it and the, the, the government portal said 72 hours it'll take. I'm like, oh, that's a long time to be in limbo, God. I'm going to talk to the prayer team. And so I sent a message to the prayer team. The prayer team got praying. And 16 hours later, Andrew McKenzie approved to go to this country. And I'm like, oh, wow, the odds were against me. And I had all these plans and I was praying about it all and I thought, am I going to, am I going to fall into pieces over this? God, can you, I believe you're calling me to do this work, but I don't know, but you, know, you open the door. And so I had the confidence knowing that people in my community were praying, were standing in the gap, were going through prayer and intercession because of my request. Now, when I go there, I'm going to feel the presence of their prayers. When I go and do um, what I'm, I'm meant to be doing there, I'm going to feel uplifted because I know that the prayer team will be praying. Hey, Andrew's going to this country. Uh, we need to be praying for him. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be secure. And God's going to move. And God's going to go before me because of the power of prayer amongst believers, my family, my chapel family. And I get excited about that. I hope you are too. So if you have a prayer request, send it to the prayer team. You have to go through with that. I, I guarantee there'll be answers to prayer. I guarantee it. Yeah? Because when we all join together in him, powerful things happen. Romans 14, 17, 19 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try and build each other up. Now we believe here at the chapel that this is a powerful way to live. We believe that when uh, people are praying for one another, that we're in community, that we're sharing our burdens with one another and we're collectively handing our burdens over to the Lord, that he moves powerfully. When the bricks are connected by the concrete that is Jesus, harmony happens amongst the believers, and that's what we want. And so anyone, an outsider coming inside, will see that and go, I want to be a part of that family. I need that. I need that in my life. I need believers to be praying for my problems and my circumstance and my context and my wants and my needs and my dreams and all of that. And God can do that. God can deliver that because the doors are open for everyone. 
And just like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were outsiders on the inside. We welcome anyone into this faith community that we call the chapel because we want to take this to the world. We want to take the gospel to the world and we want people to come in here to feel the family feel that we have right now. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.